asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're asking the question, should women and men handle money differently? Oh, dude. I can't believe we actually went through with this topic. <laughs> I like to ask questions <laughs> that, that could potentially get me in trouble. That we're actually going to do an episode on this, but uh, we, we you know, after discussion, you and I felt that there, you know, there were definitely some insights that we can glean from talking about how it is that men and women might be handling their money differently. And, and uh, there're just so many studies too that inform us about how men and women have handled money differently in the past, but I think too, um, there's a way forward after we see that yes, that information. Absolutely. And I think yeah, you and I are going to have some some good advice hopefully to share for men and women um, based on the stats that we've seen and the studies that are out there. And we're going to also do our very best to not completely step in it. Uh, <laughs> because that's what I feel like right now is that we're about to step in it. Well, I promise we're not going to come at this from like a madman perspective, okay? <laughs> Even though we do like a nice beverage during our workday as well. Uh, <laughs> before we get into that, though, you want to talk about uh, this fence issue that you got going on? Am I hyping it up? Maybe it's not an issue, actually. Well, I, well it remains to be seen whether it's an issue okay. or not yet. So at, at one of my rental properties, um, my uh, my next door neighbor, who I actually have never met, uh, I, we used to live in that home. Uh, my next door neighbor rents out uh, his home, and and so even when we lived in that house, I never met him. Hmm. But he left uh, a note on the door saying, "Hey, please call me. I want to talk about some stuff." My tenant relayed that on over to me, and it turns out he wants to replace the fence that goes in between both of our yards. Mm-hmm. And I will say, the fence not attractive. 
And in sections, it actually uh, looks pretty rough. It's, okay. It's a chain link fence that just, yeah, has not held up well over the years. But Chain link fences have definitely fallen out of favor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. They're pretty hideous. Like, we've got one on they're the back, back pretty, side of it. But, I mean, from a utility standpoint, they're pretty great. You no, know? Like, I mean, it's like they will probably be there for another hundred years if you let it, you know? Like, well, this one definitely will not. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it's already kind of falling apart in some spots. And so, yeah, he wants to, to replace it together. And so we're in the, the midst of getting a quote to kind of see how much it costs. And if it's inexpensive, I'm willing to jump in on this. Um, especially, it's just like, it's, I feel like it's the right neighborly thing to do. Right. But I will say too, man, if the quote comes back and it's too high... I'm not going to be down for it because it is something that's just not a high priority on my list. I've never had a tenant complain about the the fact that the fence isn't in uh, perfect shape. And so, yeah, it's kind of one of those like TBD <laughs> as to whether or not I'm uh, you know willing to go half and half on this fence. But my gut is telling me probably not. I don't know. Is that frugal or cheap of me? Ah, man, this is such a hard one <laughs> because so on one hand, with it being a rental, like in my mind, that's one of the benefits, uh, you know, of having a backyard here in the city is the ability to have a pet. And so for owners thinking, hey, I've got a pet, I would like for them to be able to run in the backyard. To me, like that's a selling point to having, you know, having a fenced in kind of closed in backyard. Well, and they do actually. So interestingly enough, this fence is kind of up slightly raised on a hill uh-huh. and and so many of my tenants have had animals none of those animals have ever gotten out through the fence okay uh, so it, it still does its job okay animals can still climb hills though right no they can but it's just it, it's it's not possible <laughs> really to get through or over the okay. fence even with like the disrepair okay. <laughs> that it might be in <laughs> so i mean okay so the reason i say that is because we found ourselves in a similar situation years ago at our old house before we moved out we knew that we were going to keep that house as a rental and the fence between us and our neighbor was in complete disrepair. I mean, it was like literally there were sections of it that had fallen over. It was an old wooden fence. It had completely rotted out over decades of being exposed to the elements, right? And so in my mind, I was like, you know what? I'm willing to pay because in this case, this is going to be a selling point, I guess, for future tenants. But yeah, I mean, the fact is, is it sounds like the fence that you've got there currently, it still works. Uh, and so I would have a tough time agreeing to replacing something that still is kind of getting the job done. Yeah. Um, and honestly, dude, from a personal standpoint, too, like I know that like if any of my neighbors here like next to us, wanted to kind of go in on a fence. I'm not sure if I would say yes, because I partly feel that fences are a little overrated. So I'm specifically thinking of our next door neighbors. They don't have any pets. We don't have any pets. Uh, they've got you know a couple young kids. And if that fence were to fall over or start to rot and we wanted to get rid of it, like I would be totally okay if it was just one big open backyard. Yeah. Like I wouldn't even mind if their kids kind of you know played in our backyard a little bit. And so I feel like this is like one of those expenses that it's found its way into our culture, and it's like oh you've got to have a fence, or if there Between was a f- every yard, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or if there was a fence there, you have to replace it, right? Whereas I want to ask the question of like. Do you actually need to replace it? Like, is yeah. that something that, that you could do without? Because it's not like I, I gain a lot of joy <laughs> from the fact that there's a fence between us. And so I think in my mind, it kind of depends if it's uh, yeah if it's an investment property or a rental. I would lean more towards making sure that there is a, a functional structure there between homes. But if it's me personally, as long as they don't have a dog. Like, I don't want a dog running over pooping in the yard. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. But uh, otherwise, yeah, the fences might be overrated. All right, I think I'm with you, and yeah, we'll, I'll wait and see what the what the quote comes back as. Yeah, if it's a pretty low estimate, if it's reasonable, then I might um, jump in on this. But my natural tendency is to say no. The uh, kind of crummy fence is mostly doing its job still. Gets it done. So let's just uh, leave good enough alone. I, st- I actually still want to see how that fence is falling apart because in my mind, chain link fences they don't fall apart. Like I mean, yeah. they're made of metal. <laughs> All right, I'll show you some pictures. Okay, later. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, mention the beer that we're having on the show today. 
today. This one's called On Cassette. It's by New Anthem. This is a brewery out of North Carolina. They make excellent beer, so looking forward to sharing this one on this episode with you today, Matt. But let's get on to the subject at hand. We're asking the question, should women and men handle money differently? And Matt, I think part of the reason that we decided to tackle this kind of sensitive topic this week is because Valentine's Day is coming up this weekend. We figured we'd create an episode that discusses the differences between how men and women handle money. There will, of course, be some generalizations in this episode. We want to get that out of the way up front. Many women buck the trend and handle their money very differently than how studies show. And we're going to be quoting a lot of studies in this episode. Yeah, brace yourself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And vice versa, too, right? There's a lot of men who handle money a whole lot different than studies show as well. Sure. I think there's a a general belief that men shoot from the hip when it comes to money. And some of the surveys bear that out. But that's obviously not the case for all dudes either. But I think there are things that we can learn from the data about the tendencies of each sex and their views and actions in the realm of personal finance. Matt, we want to have an open convo today, essentially, about the pros and cons of how men and women stereotypically handle money so that we can find some common ground and then all start to make better financial decisions based on the information that's set in front of us. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, you mentioned the research, and I'm glad you did, because I mean, that is what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at surveys, reports, research. Um, and even though these studies are focusing on individuals... Tweets, maybe some tweets? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe. No tweets. <laughs> okay. Uh, like I, I wanted to mention that we're, we're not necessarily downplaying the fact that there are like structural issues within like our society and within employers right like specific companies that lead to some of these some of these differences between how men and women uh, are treated or, or how they handle their money right like there are certainly changes that need to be made and, and different steps that companies and you know our society as a whole need to take to make sure there is more parity but I mean, this is how to money. And so what we talk about are the personal changes we can make in our own lives. Uh, We're not necessarily looking at policy. We're not looking at some some of these larger issues that are a part of the equation. Yeah, but it is important to acknowledge that they exist and say yes. that that's you know part of the deal here. We are going to, and some of the stats that we're going to convey in this episode are in part related to some of the structural problems that exist in our society. Yeah, man. You know, it's also important to note that COVID, man, it has had an even greater impact on women than it has on men. Uh, you know, we, we talked about this towards the end of last year, but an overwhelming number of women uh, have left the workplace since uh, spring of last year in large part due to uh, the childcare needs of their families. Women are leaving their jobs at a rate four times the rate of men, which is crazy. Uh, and a, a recent Fidelity study found that 39% of women who haven't you know, made a change yet, are considering a change to their work situation, you know, either leaving their job or, you know, maybe reducing hours due to COVID. And that same study estimates that taking a short uh, career hiatus could cost upwards of $150,000 in future wealth. Wow. Yeah. Uh, And so it's just important to note that these decisions have implications beyond just money, uh, you know, but it's, you know, worth noting that many women find themselves in an even more precarious financial position right now. Yeah, man. I think too, as we'll see in this episode, part of the problem isn't that women are worse with money than men. That is, I think, sometimes a prevailing narrative, uh, but that's not actually true. <laughs> and I think actually when we dig into it, we'll find in many of the scenarios we're going to talk about, women actually have a better concept of how to handle their money and then they actually 
handle money better in practice too. Yeah, they do a better job. <laughs> yeah, ultimately <laughs> that, that, that's certainly part of the takeaway today. And uh, but one of the issues that women do struggle with more than men is the level of confidence that they have when making money decisions. There was a study of small business owners from the University of Cambridge, and they found that 20% fewer women admitted to their business prospering compared to their male counterparts, even though their businesses were experiencing a greater level of profitability. <laughs> so women, uh, their businesses were doing better. It's like you're doing great. But they just couldn't admit it. They couldn't, they didn't have the confidence to say that that was the case. And maybe some of it was um, the the opposite, <laughs> a little too much bravado <laughs> in the case of the males in that survey, right? But I think one of the things that we want to talk about in, today on the show is, you know, you and I both want to see men and women exude confidence in their money choices. And confidence is tied to knowing what you're doing. Hmm. You can be confident when you know how the game is played and you know the next steps to take, which is, Matt, just such a big part of the reason you and I started How to Money. That's right. We want people to have confidence to make the right moves with their money. And I feel like the feedback we get from so many of our listeners is that that's the impact that the show has had. People who didn't otherwise know what to do, they now have a playbook and that breeds confidence um, and that allows them to go out there and start kicking butt with their personal finances. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. And, and, and so one of the reasons too that we're talking about this today uh, and, and why we feel this is so important is that hopefully uh, this gives us maybe a little bit of insight uh, into the inner workings of our spouse or our partner, you know, a little window into how their brain functions. I think that better understanding of why our significant other thinks the way they do about money can be helpful in future money discussions and decisions. And plus, too, you know, hopefully it has further reaching implications as well. You know, the more known and understood someone feels, like that's going to lead to them feeling more cared for, more loved, which is only going to result in a stronger relationship. Yeah, knowing our partner's tendencies is super helpful in how we approach them with discussions in particular about money. Maybe we'll be less combative when we're bringing up the topic in general because we better understand like where they're coming from. Also, Matt, I think knowing the money tendencies that each sex is prone to, it can actually help us teach our kids to handle their money better versus using outdated methods of instruction that maybe led to some of the disparities that we see in financial outcomes for men and women currently. Families uh, look different in 2021 than they looked 30 years ago or even just a decade ago. Stats show that we're seeing far more stay-at-home dads and more women bringing home the bacon, and that's awesome. So let's make sure that our sons and daughters receive the identical lessons when it comes to money. And I think, Matt, sometimes in the past... Um, that that wasn't the case, that uh, young girls and young boys were taught differently about how to think about money and personal finances. And I think in today's day and age, they need the same lessons <laughs> because they're both right. uh, just as likely to go out in the workforce. They're both just as likely to own their own business, to be saving for things for the future, and to be investing for their retirement. And so they need all of the same personal finance knowledge poured into their lives as youngsters. Yeah. I mean, the reason that they're just as likely is also, too, because they're just as capable, right? And so, you know, another, I guess, reason, too, that we feel this is important is because we, you know, we hope that listeners will be able to handle their money better by being able to recognize certain patterns and tendencies, you know, regardless of their gender. Uh, you might realize that you don't fit the gender stereotypes as we discuss them, and, and that's totally okay. And, and in fact, you know, like you said, Joel, like this might be a good thing. <laughs> and if you, you know, if you do find yourself nodding your head, you know, when we talk about how uh, your gender does typically handle their money, at least in some of these studies, well, then this episode will be eye-opening as we're going to talk about some important instructions as to how you can move forward. And so we'll get to some of the specific ways that men and women might handle their money a little bit differently, but then specifically what you can do about that. And we'll get to all of that right after this break. 
asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, we're back from the break. We're asking the question today, should women and men handle money differently. Matt, uh, the answer to that question is 
going to be now. <laughs> but there, there is so much information that we came across creating this episode that we feel is important to share. And I think it sheds a lot of light in how men and women have historically handled their money differently. Uh, and then I think, you know, you and I have a way forward for all of us together yeah. that we want to get to. There was a book, Matt, that I never read, but I remember it was so popular a couple decades ago called Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. <laughs> and that just sounds like a book from a bygone era, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. I don't know if it's still sold uh, in bookstores. I'm sure you could find it like a used bookstore or something like that. That also makes me think of like TGIF uh, <laughs> on Fridays, like going home, watching the four shows. You uh, know. Which one was your favorite? Hang with Mr. Cooper or uh, Boy Meets World? Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, uh, yeah. That was a classic, too. I was too. a big fan of that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I obviously never read, by the way, uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. I wasn't really... Because you were like 10, probably. <laughs> came out, exactly. <laughs> but you could tell by the title that the author was highlighting gender differences. And while men and women do have far more in common than the author probably would like to admit who wrote that book, there are some really important divergences that are worthy of our consideration. Yeah. So first of all, let's talk about how you get money in the first place. And that is you earn it, right? (laughs) Uh, And according to the Pew Research Center, uh, women earned 85% of what men earned in 2018. Uh, That pay gap is shrinking, uh, particularly for younger workers, which is a positive trend. But that is still uh, a meaningful hurdle to overcome. The pay gap is partly due to to work history. You know, like having kids is great, you know, but as we mentioned with the uh, Fidelity study earlier, Taking time off to have kiddos, like it often leads to fewer job offers and worse uh, income prospects. Not to mention the the years of not generating in, any income, which often reflects years of not investing in a workplace retirement account, in particular if there's a match there, right? And those are some big disadvantages to overcome. Yeah, like you said at the beginning, Matt, that stat also reflects some structural issues when it comes to male and female pay. But here's another thing too, Matt, uh, when we're talking about pay, women are actually often uh, averse to asking for more money than their male counterparts. There was a survey from Ronstadt last year that found that 60% of women have never negotiated with an employer over pay. Women are also more likely to stay at a lower wage job too, according to uh, the personal finance website, The Balance. And that's not good, right? Because even just a small bump in pay with a new employer or in a job that you've been in for years can have just a massive impact on your ability to earn more throughout the years and then also save more for retirement. So I think of all of the things in this episode where we see maybe you know women as a sex falling short, it is in, in the ability to ask for more, knowing what they're worth. Yeah. Again, this is uh, another instance where you might be listening and you're thinking, I've never had a problem negotiating a race, right? Like I've never had a problem asking for more money. And so again, it's important to keep in mind that though the research shows this, like we know anecdotally that this doesn't apply to everyone. Right. I'm specifically thinking of of two. We had a conversation with uh, Kirsten and Julian Saunders, uh, the couple behind Rich and Regular. Uh, That was episode 86. And Julian was just bragging about how great Kirsten is at negotiating. Like, evidently, she's just <laughs> like the queen of negotiating more pay. Uh, so, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to that one. And so, regardless of your gender, earning more it's just so important, right? And all of us could stand to up our abilities on that front. Uh, and you know, we've had lots of different conversations on the show that specifically cover, you know, not just stories of individuals negotiating, but just how to go about doing that. I'm thinking of uh, Ramit Sadie, and that was uh, back in episode 110, and he outlined a great 
process, a great method, uh, you know, when it comes to wanting to up your salary, you know, like what steps you need to take in order to negotiate a, a solid raise. Yeah, I'm thinking too, Matt, when we had Farnoosh Tarabi on the show, she is just awesome personal finance expert. Um, and at the same time, she is someone who has made a killing as a small business owner. She knows her worth. She knows how to negotiate. Yes. So like you said, there are many women out there who are crushing it, who don't have a problem <laughs> asking for what they're worth, who don't have a problem asking for a raise. Um, it's just when you read those statistics, there are obviously a number of women who do though. And, and I want to see that number changed for the benefit of women as a whole, right? Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about spending too. Do women spend more? That's an interesting question. My wife personally, Matt, hates to shop. I feel <laughs> like she just defies the stereotypes. And I actually, I don't know, I don't mind shopping a little bit more. <laughs> uh, Roles are a little bit reversed there for yeah, you. Oh, yeah, exactly. But there was a study by the Wharton School of Business that found that women are more likely to view shopping as a recreational activity. My mom definitely fits that bill. Uh, but uh, most men want to leave the store with their purchase as quickly as possible. But even though women enjoy shopping more, it turns out men still spend more than women in a typical year. So while men might not enjoy the process of shopping as much, they still like shopping just from a utilitarian standpoint. Sure. Yeah. Well, so that increased spending, that actually jives with this stat uh, as well. There's, there's a survey from WalletHub earlier this year, and they showed that men are more likely to max out a credit card. Women are apparently 7% less likely than men to have maxed out a credit card at least once. And so while women, you know, they might enjoy the shopping experience more than men do, a lot of different stats show that women are more cost conscious. You know, they, they're more likely to shop at outlet stores, more likely to, to wait till something they want is actually on sale. Uh, they dig store brands more than men. And so, you know, when it comes to spending, this is kind of this, this is definitely a win uh, in this category for sure. Uh, and so I, I kind of see this as a call to men to stop spending so much dang money. <laughs> Especially <laughs> I mean, on name brand items, man. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm totally guilty of this. I totally fall into the study. I don't like to, to go looking for the best deal. Like I do because I know I'm spending less, but like I'll look at maybe two or three different sites and then I just purchase, right? Whereas for you, like I feel like you are so good at like, hunting and, and making sure you're keeping your eyes on the best deals out there, making sure that you're spending the, the least amount of money possible. And I feel that's something that we all need to make sure that we're doing, right? And so, you know, regardless of who you are, we should all work to just become a little more conscious in how it is that we spend our money. Yeah, and I got to say, Matt, uh, I don't care whether you're a man or a woman, but store brands should be high up on your list because they're going to save you ton, a ton of money. It's just like built-in savings when you go for the store brand over the name brand equivalent. Unless it's your craft beer equivalent uh, and, and you're wanting to spend a little bit more on something because it makes you feel nice. Yeah, you just can't name brand everything, though. Yes. I think I think sometimes that's a tendency here, maybe, that men have uh, that men just gravitate towards a name brand, no matter what it is, without thinking about it. And and that's where uh, we need to shake things up, right? We, we, we need to consider store brands more frequently. Um, and also, too, I think we've talked about this, the, the quality of store brand items has gone up a whole lot in recent years. Here comes a Kirkland signature brag. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's other ones, too, man. Like Target has um, some great yeah. uh, store brands that are better than the, their name brand equivalent sometimes. Yeah, so, true. yeah, it's not just Costco, but <laughs> yeah, Costco rocks, too. Uh, all right. Let's see. Let's talk about saving as well. There's more good news here. It turns out that the, the savings rate for women is actually higher than their male counterparts. They save a higher percentage of their pay. Uh, they spend less of what they bring in, and much of that is due to the more frugal tendencies that we just highlighted when we talked about spending differences. But even though women are saving a higher percentage of their income, on average, they've actually got less than 30% of what men have in savings accounts, according to data 
data from the Federal Reserve from a few years ago. Uh, that is likely due to the fact that overall they're still making less, like we discussed earlier, which means a smaller amount of money uh, saved overall. Yeah, one of the reasons women have a higher savings rate as well um, is that according to a survey by U.S. Bank, women of all ages value financial security more than men do. But here's the thing, man, that focus on financial security can often backfire if you keep more of your overall assets uh, in savings and CDs instead of invested in the stock market, right? Like savings for saving for long-term goals is really important, but so is investing uh, for the really long-term. And so that's actually what we're going to talk about next. We're going to talk about investing right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So, if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the Money app 
Monarch. They make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we're back from the break. Still tackling the tenuous subject of men, women, and money, how they handle money differently, but then also how we can all think about money in a similar way because we're really all in the same boat when it comes down to it. Yeah. And let's talk specifically about investing for a minute. There was a study from BlackRock that found that women find less joy in managing their investments. I found that interesting, Matt, that just like uh, women care less. They're less interested, less intrigued by investing. And honestly, I think that's okay. And and interestingly enough, I think that can even pay off for women. I, th- I think a lack of interest can have a positive benefit. So we'll talk about that in a second. I hope everyone listening to this podcast, regardless of their gender, starts to gain an interest in all things money and finds joy, not just in saving their money, but investing and growing that nest egg. But let's talk about how a tampered down enthusiasm can actually be more beneficial to your investing success in the long run. Yeah. So you're talking about joy, right? <laughs> and so this is like where, where men might have a little more enthusiasm, a little more, a little bit more joy when it comes to managing their portfolios could actually lead to a, maybe a little bit more misery. Uh, the stock market in general and frequent trading specifically have historically been more of an obsession for men. Kiplinger has reported that men trade stocks much more frequently than women. And the more frequently uh, we trade, the worse our investments are going to perform. Uh, men are, are getting a little too into investing by, by getting into individual stocks. You know, it's important for us to take calculated risks. Like these are things that we need to do in order to see growth when it specifically when it comes to our portfolios. But when you take too much risk and when you're too involved in the stock market, and specifically when you're not exactly even sure what you're doing, that is going to lead to worse performance. Yeah, we talked about that before, Matt. The more frequently people trade, you might trigger tax consequences. You are in all likelihood going to be paying a fee when you're trading stocks or ETFs as well. There's just so many things to consider. And the more movement you make in your portfolio, uh, in all likelihood, the worse you're going to perform. Another thing too, when we're talking about investing and how women and men respond, well, an important thing to consider is that women live longer than men, about five years longer on average, according to stats from the CDC. So that means that they need to plan uh, to invest uh, for a longer time horizon. That includes a greater willingness to invest more heavily in stocks and, if possible, putting aside even more in retirement funds. And I know that that's actually hard, Matt, considering that you know we just talked about how women earn less on average than men, and yet they're going to live longer and they need to save and invest more of their money. 
but it's so important in particular for women to be aware of this. I'm thinking about my grandma who's 90 and she's having to make decisions about her financial future. And she might still have 10, 12, 15 more years uh, left to live. And planning for a longer lifespan means investing early and often is just even that much more important. Exactly. Yeah. And so regardless of your gender, having savings is great, right? In fact, it's crucial. (laughs) But remember that inflation is the enemy of your savings account. Like That's the real enemy here. Over the past few decades, we've seen inflation right at 2.5%. And regularly investing more of your income, that's going to give you important options for your future. You're not going to be able to preserve that money if you have it sitting in a savings account that's not earning that inflation rate. On both ends of the spectrum are sort of these extremes that we want to avoid. We can't completely avoid investing, but we also don't want to become you know, so preoccupied by it that we end up shooting ourselves in the foot uh, because we're jumping in and out of the market. We're trying to time it. We're, you know, we're dabbling in single stock investing when we don't know what we're doing. Again, it's hard to find that balance, but that's what we're trying to do here on How to Money. Yeah, I think in particular, investing is a place where men and women can both learn from each other. We could all stand to have some enthusiasm when it comes to investing, but not too much <laughs> that yeah. it causes us to go too complex with our investments or too disinterested where we don't invest at all, right? I think there's a, a healthy approach to investing that both men and women should be taking that looks pretty similar. And I think too, Matt, like knowledge breeds confidence. It doesn't matter who you are. The more you know, the more likely you are to make the right decisions for your own financial good and for your financial future. And especially if you're in a relationship, right? Both individuals need the confidence that more money knowledge provides. Two smart and savvy partners coming to the table to tackle their money goals together is going to have a really important impact. Trying to be the lone ranger managing your family's finances with a completely disinterested partner is going to lead to some unhealth, I think, in the relationship. And I don't think it's that you both have to be just as interested or just as committed. It's okay if your spouse is more fascinated by the realm of personal finance than you are. But at the same time, I think it's really important for both members of of that couple to be able to sit down together and talk about money and both of you to have a say in where that money's going. I think some of the statistics, Matt, that you and I have been relaying in this episode actually reflect uh, a level of unhealthiness (laughs) that is taking place when it comes to gender differences and how we uh, approach personal finance. And I would love it if in our lifetime, if in the coming decades, we start to see men and women, uh, both sexes handling money better, each of them uh, having a seat at the table, playing more of a role in family finances. Because I think as we see, there's like a balance that's needed when it comes to gender dynamics and personal finance. Yeah. And we're looking for balance too, not just between couples, but just even within ourselves, right? You know, like ultimately men and women, like they don't have as opposite of an approach as the the headlines might make it seem. Uh, it's not like, well, one gender is better than the other, you know, when it comes to how they handle their money. Men and women, they might have some different psychological and historical societal norms to overcome when it comes to achieving their financial goals. But the actual path that we you know, take as individuals should look more similar than dissimilar. It's important for everyone to have the right financial education and the, the tools necessary so that we're able to make the right decisions for our future. When you look at the numbers, we could all do a much better job when it comes to our personal finances. You know, when it comes to our money, I feel, I feel like, like we need a sort of a renaissance <laughs> of uh, personal finance interest and education in our country in order to raise the tide for everyone. I think we could all be doing a better job when it comes to our money. Yeah, I think you're right, Matt. I think ultimately the answer to the question, should men and women handle money differently? 
I think the answer is no. We should all be working to earn more money and know what we're worth when it comes to our jobs. We should all be looking to spend more consciously with the money that we have. We should all be saving more diligently and we should actually be investing and get interested enough in it to do it well uh, and to do it consistently, but not so interested that we're like Yosemite Sam when it comes to you know, pull, pulling the trigger <laughs> on you know random investment sales and stuff like that. But hopefully this episode provided some perspective when it comes to maybe some of the tendencies that you experience in your own life with how you handle money and some of the ways to, to move forward in a positive way. Most definitely, man. All right, let's shift gears. Let's get it back to the beer that we enjoyed on this episode. Uh, this one was called On Cassette, uh, and this is a beer by New Anthem. And they are out of Wilmington, North Carolina. What were your thoughts on this beer, dude? Man, this was a delicious IPA. A little velvety, uh, some like peach fuzz action going on, and oh. it was like soft in my mouth like that. I get that. It was slightly sweet, but it also had enough hop bitterness that I just really appreciated. I think a lot of the, the new IPAs can be overly sweet, but this one still retained some bitter hop character that I really like having in a beer, but it offered that inside the package of something that was more juicy and sweet. And so, yeah, I like the the combo going on at the same time. Yeah, that's right. So this was a double IPA and, you know, it's, it's not like this is a, a bitter, like a West Coast bitter IPA, you know? And so like for that reason, I, like I, I like to describe it less as bitter and more as like sharp, oh, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so I feel like the hot flavors are really sharp and pungent. It was like so pungent, like it was almost smoky, <laughs> like the because of the hot presence that was there i've mentioned this previously on the show before but like it, it truly does remind me of like that pungency that you get with like a blue cheese where you put it in your mouth and you feel like it's kind of fuming a little bit <laughs> like, like you can kind of feel it in your sinuses a little bit and i feel that's one of the uh, characteristics of these new england ipas uh, i can f- i feel like i got hops in my sinuses <laughs> which is would also probably be a pretty good name of a beer <laughs> uh, and somebody will probably do it at some point but but yeah man i really enjoyed this one glad you and i got to share it on the episode uh and yeah new anthem they're just always making some really good beers up there and i realized too this was the actual first new anthem beer i think that we've had on the show i looked in our little uh beer catalog expecting to see maybe this one making sure that we hadn't had it before and i didn't see that we have had a single new anthem beer which was really confusing like maybe we've had a collaboration before with them i, I don't think, know i think a listener sent us a beer from north carolina one time and it was a collaboration beer and i think new anthem was the other brewer in that they're like a, they showed up and helped out yeah they yeah the it's, putting it's, it out. It's, it's been a minute though so yeah. i don't remember but but yeah it was a good beer glad we finally got to have a legit new anthem beer on the show mm-hmm. um, and that's going to do it for this episode matt so for our listeners who want the show notes for this episode some of the links to some of the the studies that we mentioned you can go to our website at howtomoney.com. Yeah, that's right. Up there on the website, we have a lot of different resources. And also on the website, if you go to howtomoney.com forward slash do better, if you want to leave us some feedback, uh, if you have some thoughts to share in particular on a topic like we discussed today, if you have, whether it's a personal story or, or an anecdote or just anything else you'd like to put in front of us, we would love to hear from you. We're always interested in hearing what our listeners have to say. Just drop us a line. And then again, that URL is howtomoney.com forward slash do better. All right, buddy. That's going to do it for this episode. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones 
who get it done. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.